Now, I like, uh, I like freshness. Freshness is a fun sort of idea. It's, um, it's a, a bit of an advertising buzzword, but, but fresh starts. Fresh starts. They're nice, aren't they? Like particularly if you've, got, you know, you've, you've had a bit of a, a rough and tumble with someone. You, you've, you've, you've had a bit of a, um, uh, a disagreement. And have a fresh start with someone. Gee, it feels good. It's a beautiful thing. Um, and uh, each year you can sort of think of yourself as having fresh starts. Uh, this guy here is um, decided he's going to become a better being very, very soon in the few days when it's the New Year starts. And until then, he's definitely just going to um, be as slothful as he can so that in comparison, he looks really, really good in the coming year. But you, can't, you, you can kind of see in, in that attitude that there's, it's not going to stick. <laughs> If that's why you're doing it, if you're going to live it up in the sloth, in the, in the prior, it's not going to stick. So how, how is it that our hearts are going to change so that anything that you decide this year to be your you know, New Year's resolution is actually going to stick? How is the start going to be truly fresh? And uh, we're going to see what Jesus um, does here and what Matthew has to say in, in ways that might uh, give us a lasting joy this year and a lasting freshness for the things that we might choose to try to do in honour of Jesus. So the, the last few weeks in Matthew, um, he's been making it painfully obvious that the story of Jesus is actually the continuation of the story between God and humanity that the whole Bible's been running. So the baby that's uh, become a carpenter 2,000 years ago, that baby actually directly affects every human being because God's story with humanity took this particular course to be tied up with this people. He chose to bless the whole world through one man, through one man's family, Abraham. And the relationship between God and, and humanity is going to be mediated through his descendants, the 12 tribes of Israel. And over the generations of interactions that God had with this people, he's made it clear that a special member of that family is going to come from, uh, from him and to fulfill Israel's destiny. And that destiny is to bring blessing to the whole world. Now, two people have wanted us to know that this Jesus is not just a member of that people group, but he is that destined one to come. Now, I say two people because it's actually been two people telling the story in Matthew so far. There's, there's Matthew. He's the human author of, of the account. But there's actually also the author of the story itself, if you see what I'm saying. Matthew wrote stuff down about the story, but the actual events of history, they were authored by God. And so, sure, Matthew skillfully, you know, he, he might, oh, by the way, this happened to fulfill this, and he's trying to draw our attention to how, oh, you can see the way that he wrote it, his style draws our eye to the relationship between, um, between this and the old story. But actually... He's not creating that out of scratch. He's not just making that up. The person who's arranged the flow of history, God himself, has actually tried, has actually deliberately not tried to, has achieved it, uh, has, has put together these events so we can see that Jesus is being everything that a rescuer of humanity would need to be. He's fulfilling what the Old Testament showed us we would need in a rescuer. Matthew is just trying to show us what's already there. So we've got two authors who are, who are really keen to tell us that. Now, the events in this passage continue that trend that we've had so far in Matthew. Uh, it also says, hey, put your attention on this Jesus guy. Focus on him. 
previously kingship was a point to focus on, the fact that Jesus rules heaven and earth, that this week he's not ruling with an iron scepter. He's actually playing a different role. He's more like the best boss you've ever had, the best team leader you've ever had, who takes responsibility for the performance of his team, even if maybe it was one of you or the other team member's fault. Let's see what he does. All right, the story is continuing here. Jesus continues to emulate the experiences of Israel, having escaped from Egypt, just like Israel did. Jesus now heads out into the wilderness, just like Israel did. And the figure that he goes out to meet is about as Old Testament prophet as you can get. John the, I'm dressed like an Old Testament prophet, Baptist, right? Camel's hair, eating locusts. And John, as the name would suggest, is baptizing people. He's doing this cleansing ritual, But it's actually also a little bit like, if you think about it, coming out of the Red Sea as you come out of Egypt, or entering the Promised Land under Joshua through the Jordan into the Promised Land. In fact, we could actually, and I sort of did set it up, I'm, where's my Old Testament bingo? Oh my goodness, where'd my Old Testament bingo go? There we go. Feels like a skipped one. Um, You could, in this chapter, you could sort of just sit there for ages and and try and find all of the references. But here, John has got some very, very specific expectations. He is expecting some very stereotypical old-school fire and brimstone. Here's what John says. After me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. John seems to think that their behavior is very, very, very important and that they are going to be judged for it. There's chaff being burned, unquenchable fire, threshing. Now look, God has always promised that if human sin is unending, that this will be the judgment that will come. Like it is the logical end to the story if humanity doesn't turn from her sin. But, but, but also, do, do notice here, notice who he said that to. So Jesus says this here, uh, just if you look at the verses above, this is to the religious, sorry, um, John the Baptist says this, sorry, says this to the religious authorities. This is to the Pharisees and to the Sadducees. You see, if Israel, remember these are this chosen people and the whole of humanity's relationship with God is played out through them, if the leaders of that special people can't even turn back to God, and it seems they can't, well, the end of the story is looking nasty. But having looked at the old, there's actually something new that appears just as Jesus does. Did you notice in the stories we listen to it being read out, Jesus doesn't come denouncing the ones who are coming to be washed. You're so unclean. Look at you guys. He actually joins the line. He gets in line with them. Did you notice? Before he preaches, Jesus gets in line with the unwashed to say sorry to God. Now, this doesn't make a lot of sense to John. John, uh, John in fact, gets a little bit self-conscious and tries to stop Jesus from doing what he's come to do, which I'm not sure is, that's probably not the, the thing he most wants to be remembered for, trying to stop Jesus from doing the things he wants to do. But he's so aware of his own sinfulness and he's looking inwards, it stops him from recognizing the goodness and the rightness of what Jesus is doing. So much so that later in Matthew's Gospel, he actually ends up sending messengers to Jesus to check, hold on, are you really the Messiah? Even after these miraculous affirming events happen. 
Now, Jesus says to John, now this is going to happen. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Now, what do you reckon that means? What is he talking about? What would it mean to fulfill all righteousness? You see, there was a condition upon which God would make all things right again in the Old Testament. And it was if his people would just return to him. Uh, he, he speaks about it in Deuteronomy 30. If you'll just turn back to me, then I will return to you and you can come back in the land and, and, and we'll solve everything. Everything will be good. But the difficulty in the story, as many of you are far too familiar with, is that Israel could not do this. They wouldn't turn back to God. And so the righteousness that Jesus is talking about fulfilling, the right thing that Jesus is saying, I'm going to do, is to turn to God with his whole heart on behalf of the people. He's going to say sorry. He is going to do what the people ought to do. And so as the king, representatively, he's participating in this act of turning away from sin on behalf of his people. Even though, as John implies, he doesn't need to. He's got no sins to repent of. But like, like the best team leader you've ever had, when you botch it, but it was under his watch. When it's, when it's your mistake, but he goes up to the big bosses, he says, no, that's on me. Yeah, 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 and they'll say, no, but you, you've got that guy, and I know that guy. Yeah, that's okay, but no, I'll take the rap for it. That's on me. I'll sort him out. Don't worry. I'll take care of her. Don't worry. It's on me. He takes the action that's required in order to restore blessing to his people. And instead of the kind of spirit and fire that John was expecting, he fulfills the task of turning back to God on behalf of Israel, this old people group who are the mediators between the rest of humanity and God and in response God does what he promised to do so in, in Deuteronomy in Ezekiel God promises to send the spirit as soon as Jesus was baptized he went up out of the water you see this back this is mirrored from Ezekiel um, but it's it's also in Jeremiah it's also in Deuteronomy 30 and at that moment, heaven was opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove. We have here a fresh start for all humanity because humanity's king said, I will manage you, I will cover you, I'll take responsibility for you. Now, what is, what's new about that? Because God's kind of forgiven people lots of times throughout history. God forgave his people. He's, he's, he's said, oh, I'm going to punish you for this, but then said, no, 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 no. I'm not going to bring that army to destroy you. You've, I'll, I'll, I'll let you keep going. I'll, I'll, I'll divert the army away. But this here is different because this is not just a do-over. This is not just another, oh, let's just start again, can we? What this means for Christians is that the Christian's heart is able to turn to God. What was before an impossibility is actually now a possibility. Both forgiveness and the possibility of living towards God, for God, God would lead, living our lives in honour of Him is actually a possible thing now. I don't know if you've thought, of, thought about that, but it's actually not possible for a Christian to do, for a non-Christian to do that. They can't, like, how could I live my life for a God who I say that I don't follow? 
if you're a non-Christian, you can do lots of good things. You can do plenty of good things. You could help the world in all sorts of ways. But if your heart has not been turned to... You, you, like the reason you'll do it for is going to be different. You're not going to be doing it for God and for His honour so that everyone knows how great He is if you don't follow Him, if you don't think He's truly God. And so if you don't have the Spirit, if He hasn't changed you, turned you, to, to, to want to, to, to have everyone see God as the great one, it's impossible to please God, to honour Him as we should. But now, for the Christian, for the person whose Spirit is living in your heart, that is possible, in fact... This is our desire to honour him. So what do we do with this? How does this, how does this, how, how does this spirit coming down and, and, and how does sort of this passage help us? Well, just a few couple of really simple things to help us um, live a fresh start, live it in a newly fresh way this year. What could it look like? Well, I've got a couple of thoughts. The first one is that the path for heart-changed people goes through repentance. So if God's, Spirit has, if God's Spirit has united us with Christ, if, the Spirit has, if Jesus' Spirit has sent His Spirit from, from the Father to us and we are now connected with God through Him, then the, the path that we are going to need to walk as we grow in our godliness is going to be through repentance. There's no way around it. That's our path. That's what growing in godliness looks like. And it should actually be our normal I don't know if you've heard, have you ever heard of the Christian life as being described as a continual cycle of repentance and faith? It's getting back on the horse again. That's, that, that's what it is, repentance and faith. You repent, you turn back to God, trust Him. Turn from sin, turn towards trust in Jesus. Just turn your neck away from sin, back to, back to, back to, back to, back to, back to, back to Jesus. This is what we do. And, and so the, 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 the way that we can only do this is repentance. Is the, the Old Testament word is to, is to return, to come back to. And the New Testament word uh, translated repentance is, is change your mind. These are, these, are two, these are two really like well-chosen words. To change our mind, to turn ourselves back to God. The, part, the path for heart-changed people always goes through repentance. It's where we live. It's our, it should be our habit. I think, I think the thing that you can do with that, though, well, some of us can, is to then turn in on yourself a little bit. And so I think we need to not turn on ourselves, but from ourselves. You see, when God's king arrived, it was actually unexpectedly merciful, wasn't it? You see, John was all like, right, sweet, those disgusting Pharisees, those hypocritical jerks, they are going to cop it and it is going to be awesome. And he was loving that. And he's the religious one. Like He's the, he's the guy who, re he's from God. He should know what Jesus is going to do. And yet, even John the Baptist is surprised by the grace that comes when Jesus comes and, sh and shows up. And it's not like Jesus is disobeying here or just being a little bit too soft. God, as he does this, affirms, this is my son with whom I am well pleased. When God's king arrived, it was unexpectedly merciful, even to the religious guy from God. Is Jesus unexpectedly more merciful to you than you think? Uh, the depressives among us have a tendency to turn on ourselves when we know we've sinned. Fixate and, and, and beat yourself up for a while. Do your penance. Process the shame. And eventually, if you don't sin ba too badly enough in the near future, then you can approach God again. But isn't that it, it might seem godlier, but no, it's turning in on ourselves. 
God asks you to turn from yourself and towards Jesus, to turn your attention to Jesus' offer to you. Uh, His offer to you is pardon for that very thing that you did. That's the reason that you think, oh, that means that I can't go to God. That's what he came to deal with, that exact thing. So to what do we turn when we're turning in repentance? We turn our attention towards the pardon. And don't let, then don't let our attention wander elsewhere. Attend to the fact of the pardon. Talk to Jesus about the restoration of your relationship between the two of you. Thank him for it. Discuss it. Now, others of us are sort of the opposite. We don't give our sin a second thought. Uh, you could be a little bit of both. I think I can be. Pretty quick to excuse ourselves, assume we did it right to start with. Ah, it's probably that person's fault. And because we don't understand the gravity of our sin, we don't appreciate the rescuer either. And so we sort of, you turn from your sin to Jesus and then back to just work or life or habits, not staying fixed on Jesus. Don't turn on yourself or, or, even, or in a negative way or just turn back to life. No, no, stay turned to Jesus. That is the Christian life. Keep our attention on him. And so I've, I've got some thoughts here for uh, a pathway for fresh starts. There's, there's just six things here, six sort of, not, it's not six steps, but, but just six, six things to do as we, as we repent. First one is, is face the sin. Like, actually, just acknowledge it with some words. Hey, uh, this is the thing that happened. It's, call it what it is. It's sin, it's evil. And then secondly, take responsibility. It was really me. Yes, it might have been understandable in all these ways, but, but this response to that situation was my response, my choice, and I did it. So face the sin, take responsibility, and then ask for forgiveness. Ask for Jesus to leave that behind. And then fourthly, receive that forgiveness. That one can be a little bit underdone as well. You see, remember, when, step two was take responsibility. Say, hey, no, that was, that was my action. It was wrong, and I did it. So because we took that, on, that responsibility on, you've actually then mentally, you've got to take that off as well. You see, see because Jesus promises that that's the truth, that, that it's not on you anymore, it's on him, that he has stepped into that role. And so as a Christian, we actually have to take that, do that mental step in repentance of saying, I'm going to take that off myself, in my mind, because that's actually already what's true. Jesus has taken it on himself. And it's not on you anymore. It is not. No matter how unfair that might seem, and you might not even like that, that's the truth. So then we recognize what Jesus has done to deal with it, acknowledge what it meant for Jesus to take responsibility for your mistakes, for my mistakes, for your rebellion, for your, not just mistakes, but genuine acts of sin, and we thank him. And then the final, the final point is that we get to take joy in the presence of the Spirit. We get to take joy in that. Because at the end of repentance, the end of that, that, that pathway... It might seem sort of a bit dark and yuck, and I don't want to go through those steps. I don't want to go through. The end of that pathway, well, is the same guy who's been with you the whole way along the pathway to start with, is the joy of being with the Holy Spirit, the one who God has sent, the one who is sent to be with you, to be with us all. So, the, the encouragement here is, yeah, it's a slightly cheesy picture of dogs, but they're really intent on whatever they're looking at, right? There's obviously a bicky. Clearly, there is food involved, Right? 
Keep attending to Jesus. Pay attention to Jesus in your life. Don't stop now that you've got that sin sort of taken care of. The point of forgiveness, remember, was so that you could be friends with God again. That's why Jesus forgave you. Don't be thinking, great, I don't need Jesus anymore because now I've got forgiveness. You missed the point of forgiveness. It's to be with God, to, to, to attend to him, to have time with him. It's what I do when I go to my bedroom and I've, no, I've gone to my bedroom to get my keys and then by the time I get to the bedroom because it's up the steps, I've forgotten why I'm there and then I go downstairs and then I remember again and then I go upstairs and then I'm but halfway up the steps and I look at my phone and I get distracted and then I get upset and I've forgotten again and it's infuriating and it's like an hour later, I'm like, oh, I need the keys. Oh. And this, is, this, is, this is us if we, when we forget to actually attend to the one who has saved us. And to be with him, to talk to him, to pay attention to him in thankfulness and in love. So sure, this year, pick a particular issue to make a New Year's resolution. Yes, go for it. Like, you know, uh, and, and you might even want to use this, uh, this passage as something of an inspiration. Uh, the, 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 the fruitfulness of the Pharisees was what John was saying is bad. Look at your fruit, your fruit's bad. So maybe that's how you want to... You know, uh, think about a new resolution. What, what, is, what about my life is actually bringing good fruit? What about my life is bringing bad fruit? You know, my sleeping habits, what fruit does that bring? Uh, my tech habits, what fruit does that bring? The amount of sport that you play, what fruit does that bring? The amount of sport you watch, what fruit does that bring? It could be really good because it's actually the way that you're evangelizing your friends because you're spending a lot of time watching sport with these non-Christian friends of yours. I don't know. Or it could be bad. The way you speak about other people when they're not around... The, sorry, the way you speak about people when they're not around. What fruit does that bring? So you might want to you know, use that metric of what, what's the fruit of these bits of my life as a way of making a resolution. But I, I want to encourage you this last one, to, to make it your resolution rather than any of those things to get used to turning, to get used to turning your head back to Jesus. I've, 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 I've haven't thought about Jesus for so long. Oh, I feel so guilty. No, 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 don't turn in yourself. Just turn back to Jesus and tell, talk to him about it. He's there with you and, he's, and he loves you. Turn your eyes on Jesus. And, and if you do this, if you make this your habit for one year, see if your very awareness of his presence doesn't change who you are. Seriously. What will happen if you do this? You will be happier because you will be more thankful what we attend to with our minds alters our brains. There's no coincidence that the words for repentance in Scripture are turn and change your mind because as we turn our minds to attend to the love that God has for us, as we, as we meditate on it, as we attend to our rescuer, you grow in thankfulness and joy. Um, May this year, there was a, a guy named, I'm going to massacre this name because I don't know anything about Tibetan names, but Gelja. Gelja Sherpa, you can guess his job from his last name. Gelja Sherpa rescued a Malaysian mountaineer. Now, this is going to be even doing worse with this. Ravi Chandran Tharumalingam from just below the peak of Mount Everest. So at the balcony during the summit push at around 8,300 metres, the Sherpa says, I saw someone in danger, a man who needed rescuing. No one else was helping him. So I made the decision I'm going to cancel my own clients, getting them to the top, so that I could bring him down to safety before he died up there alone. And so I carried him by myself all the way down to Camp 4, where a rescue team organised by Seven Summit Treks helped from then on. Now, I'll be, up, I'll be back up the mountain soon after regaining my energy from such a big task, but I'm just so happy, this is, he put this out on Twitter, I'm so happy to say he's alive and recovering in hospital. 
this was such a joyful, beautiful message from this guy. Now, Malaysian mountaineer, Ravi Chandran Thara, yep, no, how you say that last bit, his, his message that he put out, I'm alive today because I had the best and dedicated rescue partners, the 14th Peaks Expedition Co. and Global Rescue Incorporated, he said, noticeably leaving out the identity of the Sherpa who had discovered him and carried him down Everest for hours. He thanked his insurance company. And he didn't thank the guy. Where, who gets your attention? We attend to our boss, our families, our performance. Let us attend even more to our rescuer. Not, not wrong to attend to other things, but let's attend even more to our rescuer. Uh, practice the presence of, of, of recognizing that he is with us in every moment. The one in whom we live and breathe and have our being. The guy who forgives us despite our failures. You'll not only have more joy, you'll be less alone as you attend to the fact that God's presence is with you. His smiling face has shone down on you because like Jesus when he said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Well, he delights in you. You've you've become one with his son Jesus. He does delight in you. His spirit lives in you. And that is the smile that he reserves for his sons and his daughters. And if you are one of those, it's reserved for you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for Jesus. Because it's not just that he took our punishment for things, but he included us in this beautiful family of yours. And Lord, we get to, we get to have confidence of your smile towards us. Father, help us to walk the path of repentance, to, to recognize that that's where forgiveness and goodness and restoration with you comes from. Not to be scared of it, but to know that your Holy Spirit is already with us and to walk that path with him. And Lord, as we do so, Father, help us not to forget our rescuer and just thank, go back to attending to all the other bits of life. But Father, help us to focus our attention on, to be thankful to, to joyfully pray to Jesus. And Father, we pray that as we do that now in song, that you and your great son and the spirit who is here, we desperately ask that you would find a pleasing and a joyful, pleasing sound in your ears for your sons and daughters here would love to please you this afternoon in repentance and in our faith. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.